Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, we'll get Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Debt Discussion for Monday night. It is the ninth day already of March. And I have somebody in the back that needs to mute because I keep hearing like some kind of a little comeback when I'm speaking. So maybe that's been solved now. Um, When you come on this call, you're not muted. No, and... The problem still persists, so there's somebody out there that needs to mute their phone. Anybody that's not muted, hit star six and mute your phone, and that will resolve all the issues that we've got out here. So if there's any of you that are on this call and you have not muted yourselves, because you're not muted when you come on. I do that intentionally. But I can mute everybody if I need to, to get rid of the noise. I don't like to do that, but I will do it, because I'm not going to put up with a bunch of background noise. But uh, anyway, it is Monday night, 9th of March, 2015. Jeez, where'd all these years go? This was Y2K two years ago, wasn't it? But uh, anyway, it is uh, uh, another Monday night. We're coming up on six years in, in June, middle of June. We will be six years that we've been doing Dallas Debt Discussion. And as you know, because you're here, we're always here on Monday night. And we're here to help people. It's not here for me to uh, uh, be the one that has all the information that people need, because I surely don't. I just guide the show because it's your show. It's everybody's show out there. It's everybody's opportunity to get information and help with what they need, if they need help. And it's a community. It's a place to learn and educate yourself about the debt collection industry and about the use of the courts. Do we have all the answers? No, absolutely not. And the reason we don't is because we're not lawyers. I'm not a lawyer. I would never want to be a lawyer. I don't give legal advice because I have no earthly idea what it is. And if I don't know what it is, I sure can't dispense it free or for money, and I don't do anything in this realm for money. So the bottom line is what you hear in this call is discussion of debt issues. It's not legal advice. If you take something to be legal advice, you're the one that's making the mistake. If you need legal advice, please contact an attorney, a bar licensed attorney. They will charge you for it more than likely. And in some cases, it is necessary, and we do recommend that people use an attorney. The majority of the time, we suggest that people learn how to take care of their own affairs, learn enough about the courts, and how to, <clears throat> excuse me, how to understand the law so that you can defend yourself. Because unfortunately, there's far too many unscrupulous lawyers out here that will take your money and not do the job that you paid them to do. That's just the way they operate. It's a way of life for most in the legal profession. <clears throat> not all. There's some good lawyers out there, absolutely, 
and we work with uh, several of them. And we know there's more out there that we haven't come in contact with yet, and that's okay. But the bottom line is this is your call, no legal advice. This is a place where people help people. If we don't have an answer to a question, and when I say we, I mean myself and the other participants on the call, and that doesn't just include the moderators, Jeff, John, uh, Terry, myself, uh, Jesse, if he happens to pop in once in a while. Um, it doesn't mean us. There may be somebody else that has information pertinent to a situation you're dealing with because maybe they've been in that exact same situation before and they learned how to handle something or uh, dealt with it in a certain way that was beneficial. The bottom line is this is for everybody to share and bring information. Now, before we go to Q&A where we ask everybody to press star 8 to raise your hand, we always do good news for a very simple reason. We hear all the negative crap. If you listen to mainstream media, which I do not, I don't have a TV. If somebody told me I had to listen to TV here at home tonight or die, I'd probably be dead. I wouldn't be here next week because I have no TV. I don't have time for that. I've got better things to do than watch some box that somebody else does the programming for so that they can feed me what they want me to see, hear, and be influenced by. So bottom line is uh, we're here to help, and we do the good news so that people can hear about good things happening, not just all the negative crap, the war, this, that, the other thing. This is about uh, getting news out where people have something good happen possibly in a court proceeding or maybe make a settlement on an issue that they're dealing with with somebody, or maybe somebody gets a nice settlement check. This happens regularly with the people in this group. I will tell you that, getting settlement checks and dealing with legal issues properly. And the reason that it happens uh, all the time is because we have a lot of good people that take the time and spend the effort and learn. That's all it takes. Learn and apply the knowledge that you get. So <clears throat> without anything further needing to be said, if anybody has good news, you don't have to hit star eight to raise your hand. Just please speak up. Let's hear your good news. Well, my good news is I replaced my computer and my car is running. <laughs> well, believe me, Terry, for you, that is definitely good news. There's no question about it. I, I know a little more about Terry's situation than, than most, and believe me, everybody, that's really, really good news for Terry. It, it really, really, is. really, really is. Yeah. And really, really thank you, Leon, because you were right. And yeah, and, and I was going to say something, but Terry, you, you mentioned it already. It was another one of our members that helped Terry's husband take care of the issues with the car. He was having a real problem with things, didn't know about some stuff. And another one of our members, Leon, a friend of mine, uh, is somebody that uh, is a mechanic. He's a very, very, very sharp individual. And he, uh, I put them in contact with each other, and uh, he told them what they need to do to resolve the problem. And Terry's got a car again. Yeah, because two of the best mechanics in town, my husband made friends with, and they came to the house, and they couldn't figure it out either. So, and anybody who's got an older car, 
that, well, older, mine's a 95. So I would say after 90, when they started putting those computers in and the security systems, which is just a little circuit board in a little box up in the dashboard, those cars get beyond, especially the really new ones, they get beyond the uh, warranty and those security systems will go out, that, that little circuit board. And all that is for is theft protection. Now, I don't think my 1995 Buick Sabre, looking like it does, I mean, I took really good care of it, but it's starting to show its age. I really don't think I'm too worried about it being stolen. But you can get a little bypass unit, uh, the one we got, and believe it or not, this, the, it, it, this is unusual. Normally with electronic parts, especially computer parts, there's no return. If it's the wrong part, you can't send it back. And they're very expensive. Well, we were able to get one for $179, but it had a return policy. If it was the wrong part, they would take it back or if it didn't work because we couldn't be sure until we tried it. Actually, it was the right part. So I would say if you've got a car with a, the security system in it, that anti-theft stuff, you should buy one of these little units for your model of car and have it because that thing's going to go out sooner or later. And when that happens, you'll go to start your car, turn the key, nothing happens. It's not a dead battery. It's that security system. Then you can bypass and get it to start, but it won't stay started. It'll start up and die because all because of that little computer. Yep, one of the electronic marvels. Well, that's that's good. I'm glad you got your car going. It's wonderful, and uh, you got your computer fixed. So uh, everything with C's is working good, right? Cars, computers. Yeah, so, good. quite. And, you know, the Murphys have not bothered me all day, crossing fingers. Yeah, the, the, I was going to say, shh, just whisper. Just whisper, Terry. Don't, don't, don't say Dave. that loud. Don't say that loud. Yes? Dave? Yes? <clears throat> this show. Um, I I know, know nothing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have I have had that situation happen on many cars that have been up for sale because they can't fix them and the mechanics can't fix them. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a fix. Nobody, no mechanic wants to tell you this. But a real quick fix is just go in and pull the fuse on that security system totally. You pull it. It then is totally non-functional. For instance, on BMWs, they have the security on and off on the driver's door on the on a switch in the door. And they're notorious for working loose, and then you can't get the car started. So... <laughs> I've had a lot of four-letter words screamed at me as I drive off their car. But if you pull the, the fuse... It disables totally that system. That the, totally the disables that system. And you really don't need it. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I, you That's really... interesting. Yeah, in, in uh, Schultz there that's uh, telling us, he's a, he's a sharp guy. He's been around the cars and doing stuff for a very long time. 
Well, you know, my husband's a really good mechanic, but he's 65 and he's a home mechanic and he he's he's professionally trained with trucks, big trucks. But that's before all this computer crap. I mean, a good old-fashioned American combustion engine, you know, he can tear it apart and put it back together and do anything with it. And most electrical things, but it comes to this computer stuff, and he's just lost. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people let, in that situation. Let me share one more thing with those folks out there that don't have Buicks, but those that might have Volkswagens. Another, another thing that happens with Volkswagens, notoriously, if you've got a Volkswagen, say around the 2000 here, a little bit, before a little bit after if you find a Volkswagen that will start but you it'll stop and you start it it'll run and it'll stop what happens is the mass airflow sensor is faulty go under the hood unplug it and drive it away another another real funny thing that I've done a few times that really irritates those people that just sold their car oh well that's good to know. My car sat for five months. And, I, and you know, the only Murphy part to the whole thing is that now winter's over. Today was 75. Tomorrow's going to be 81. It's done. I told you that would happen with daylight savings time. And I spent the whole winter really cold riding the motorcycle. But yeah, that's really. I got my car. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, guys. Um, I'm going to... Uh, take leave here. You guys can have a, a short little discussion. I have to, it's going to take me about f- probably four minutes, maybe a little more, four to five minutes to do something that I absolutely need to do now. And I'll I had be right some... back to the call. You guys have a quick conversation. I'll yell at sure. you when I'm back. Yeah, Dave, I'll return. Yeah. there's something I want to share with everybody in regard to the 1099 fees. Do you want me to wait till you get back? Yeah, yes, please, please, please. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll be back shortly. Okay, is there anyone else out there with some good news? It's been kind of sparse the last week or so. I'm going to be sparse. and <laughs> The weather is nice. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, a... My son, I had his uh, hedge trimmer for a long time, and now they moved up north Georgia, so he took it back. And so now, I mean, my house, there's uh, azalea hedges all the way around, all the way up and down the property, Mm -hmm. all the way around the house, and they're big and tall, and I'm going to have to trim those damn things by hand. So i got to do that tomorrow. I hate to do it this time of year, but they really have to be done. I've got some upcoming, I think, pretty good news. They're um, <clears throat> in Santa Barbara on the 21st. There's going to be a uh, like a roundtable discussion seminar on the subject of the foreclosure issues with counterfeit securities and. We're trying to organize to bring in expert witnesses that can validate the fact that the foreclosures with counterfeit securities are not only unlawful, but they're actually an epidemic that's what's happened to everybody. 
and can I, can I make a suggestion to you, sir? That uh, you uh, read up on uh, both the Brim versus Midland and the James versus Encore cases. Read Brim. Read that. Uh, if you don't read the whole four-part Brim transcript, read my analysis that I did of it. Read that first before you read James. And then when you read the James case, it'll knock your socks off. Because keep in mind, it was the same attorney. Mm-hmm. And they're doing well, the same thing. The word is getting out. That's all I can say. One thing that, that you may be aware and you may not be aware of, and uh, Dave was very aware of it. In 2009, I uh, notified actually in writing the FBI in Toledo, Ohio, an agent by the name of Jake Hardy exposed to him that what was going on with the securities and that anyone that had a copy was in violation of the statutory law unless it had been shrunk 25%. Make a long story short, the Supreme Court ordered in January of 2010 that no clerk in the federal system shall have in their files any security being a deed of trust or a mortgage that had not been shrunk 25%. That was an order. That was an in-house order. And that memo came down, but I don't think anybody's ever uh, subpoenaed in a uh, federal clerk to ask them to bring forth that memo. But the Department of Justice and the Supreme Court recognized that the deed of trust and the mortgages were absolutely securities, not documents. They were securities. And if you look at the bottom left-hand corner, it says on any one of those forms, single-family, uniform, security instrument. That means that it's money. It's illegal to copy it. Having said that, anyone that comes into a court of law with a copy, same size, brought to the court. And uh, unless you have someone with a um, um, training or a specialist that can document that, such as a uh, document specialist or a court reporter who is trained in that, judges will steamroll right over that. Basically, they either they either don't know or we don't want to say the other thing. But anyways, that's what's happening. This seminar out there in California, Santa Barbara, is going to expose meticulously how this whole saga of events has, has carried since 2009 up to today to present to, we understand there's going to be probably 500 to 1,000 people that are going to be there to see and and, uh, educate, including attorneys. Hopefully we can get a judge or two um, to show up. But it's, again, uh, what? I'm back, you guys. Okay. We're ready for Q&A, David. 
All right. Well, I'm going to ask one more time if there's anybody that's got any good news. Okay. Somebody's bringing up the, just to bring you up to date a little bit, Dave. I, I was discussing about the seminar in Santa Barbara on the 21st about the exposure uh-huh. of the documents or or securities. Okay. Oh, all right. Somebody needs to mute up. Which, what do you what do you hit? Star six. I, star six. I just muted Southern California. That's where the noise is coming from. Okay. Okay. If there's no good news, I'll just share that little piece. Of, uh... Yeah, you got something regarding 1099Cs. Right. Okay. This is um, some legal stuff on that. The Internal Revenue Tax Code. Um and I'm just going to read it. False representations regarding tax consequences. The Internal Revenue Code treats cancellation of debt as income under specified circumstances. 26 U.S.C. Section 6050P, as in Paul, um, colon 26 CFR Section 1.6050P, the owner of a debt who cancels it must file an informational form 1099-C if the amount canceled exceeds $600. Generally, cancellation of debt is income unless A, there is a bona fide dispute concerning the debtor's obligation to pay, B, the debtor is insolvent, or C, the debt is discharged in bankruptcy. Misrepresentation of a debtor's rights or liabilities under the Internal Revenue Code in connection with the collection of a debt is an FDCPA violation. Quinn versus Cato Company, uh, that is U.S. District, Lexus, Maryland, no, Middle District, Florida, April 2007. This includes a statement that a 1099 must be issued when a 1099 is not required. Understand that part? No, no. Yeah, I'm I'm lost. Okay, that was case law, and in that case law, that was Middle District of Florida, April 6, 2007, that if uh, it includes a statement... What includes a statement? Misrepresentation of a debtor's rights or liabilities under the IRS code in connection with the collection of a debt. Okay, that includes them making a statement to you that a 1099 must be issued when a 1099 is not required. Oh, okay. Also, Wagner versus Client Services, and that was Eastern District of Pennsylvania, March 26, 2009. So, if and this this is the part that everybody should have picked up on. Generally, cancellation of a debt of in, is income unless, A, there is a bona fide dispute concerning the debtor's obligation to pay. That's the, that's the one right there. Right there. Yep. Okay, and that is internal tax code, uh, the IRS tax code, 26, U period, S period, C period, section 6050P, 
P as in Paul. There you go. 26 USC. Yep. Well, thank you, Terry. It's, uh, you know, we knew that it was regarding if the the, uh, debt is in dispute. And uh, that's one of the questions we've asked on the calls when people have talked about this is, did you dispute the debt? And if they say yes, then they can't do a 1099-C. They do it anyway, but that's where you use the 3949-A. And how many times, everybody can relate to this, how many times have you been in... Hang on a second. I didn't even understand what the show was. Yeah, we've got idiots on the line tonight. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, what's interesting, Terry, is I can't see on the board where it's coming from. So I'm going to mute everybody. I'm going to mute everybody. We're going to take care of that little problem. And I'm going to unmute Terry. Terry, you're unmuted. Thank you. Okay, what I was starting to say is, and 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 Dave hears it all the time, we all do, how many times have you been in settlement discussions with the other side's attorney, and they argue with you and tell you that a 1099 has to be issued, they've got to have their W-9, that's the law, they have to file a 1099 B.S. That's what you sued them for in the first place. There was a dispute over that debt, something about their trying to collect a debt is disputed whether you're disputing the amount or the address or whether it even existed, whatever it is that you're disputing, that's what the whole lawsuit was over. So then you get in a settlement agreement and they tell you that there has to be a 1099 filed. Well, that right there is a violation of the IRS tax code and the FDCPA. You got the lawyer. There you go. Thank you. Now, believe it or not, that's another one I found that someone had sent me, I don't even know when, when I was going through 20,000 old emails. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. I'm I'm so far behind in emails, it's just unbelievable. But, you know, I do the best I can. That's all I can do. Um, I want to address something. Somebody's put something on the board. Can we talk a little bit about Bitcoin? No, no, we're not going to talk about Bitcoin because Bitcoin doesn't have anything to do with debt. It doesn't have anything to do with what we do with the use of the courts. That's a cryptocurrency. It's something new. It's something that a lot of people have invested in. And it is something that's the value of which is manipulated. It's electronic currency. And there have been people that have lost millions of dollars because their computers crashed and their cryptocurrency codes disappeared. So I wouldn't, uh, this is my personal opinion, I wouldn't have anything to do with Bitcoin, but we're not going to discuss it because it does not fit in with uh, the subject of our uh, our uh, issues here that we deal with. So 
we took care of that. Now, due to the fact that I had to mute the whole entire board because we had a jerk appear, now everybody has to raise their hand to speak. And that's the way it's going to stay the rest of the night. I'm not going to unmute everybody because I'm not going to deal with that problem anymore. So uh, the bottom line is if you have a question or a comment going forward, go ahead and raise your hand, pressing star 8. That will put you in the queue, and we'll take your calls and comments in the order in which uh, you raise your hand. Please have yourself muted using star 6 before you hit star 8. Please do so. I ask you to do that. I've done it, asked that many times, and we still have people that don't pay attention. So we've got people in the queue, and I'm going to go ahead and go to those, and we will take questions and comments tonight. Let's go to New York. You have been unmuted. And now we'll see if TalkShoe is going to work. Seems like TalkShoe is getting kind of bulky here. The chat board has been very sluggish. Yeah, well, I, I had trouble uh, getting in. Yeah, New York, you've been unmuted. Go ahead, please. Okay, how are you doing, Dave? I'm doing all right, considering we had uh, somebody wanting to be a jerk with noise tonight. But, yeah, we know how to deal with that. No problem. Sorry to hear that. Um, there's a question I have. Um, it's from a friend of mine. Um, this person um, had a debt um, years ago, right? And a debt collector, um, for his credit, but um, but he paid the debt already. He paid the debt, I think, three years ago. So now... He paid the debt how many years ago? Uh, I think three years ago he paid the debt. Three years so, ago. Yeah, uh, I think three years ago he paid the debt. So he recently uh, seen a credit pro in his credit report. He wants to know if it's okay if he goes after them as far as the credit pro. Is it too late now? Well, when did he get the credit report? He got the credit report in January. This year. Well, if if uh, they pulled his credit, and and who was this? Was it a debt collector, or a lawyer, or what? Yeah. It's a debt collector, and it's showing that the credit pull, I think, it was done in um, June, in June of twenty um, fourteen. I think it was a year ago. June of last year. Last year. Yeah. Okay. Well, the statute of limitations on FCRA violations is the violation has to have occurred within the last five years. Okay, so that's, you know, just last year, that's well within five years, right? Yes. It, you also have to file suit within two years of the date of discovery of the violation. Well, he he discovered it when he got the credit report in January. Okay. And that's within two years, isn't it? Right, but he contacted um, the company. The company said that they had, had permission to pull it because he had a debt with them, and the debt is paid in full, even though he paid right. the Right. If, well, if, if the debt's paid in full, there is no account, and if there's well, no account, they have nothing to pull. It, that was going to be my point. Jeff hit the nail right on the head. They say there's a debt, but it, now... This individual, does he have proof that the debt was paid? Does he have yeah. evidence? Okay. He has a letter um, from the debt collector saying that he paid them um, 
the amount, the full amount. He paid them out. I mean, um, they're saying this. Um, he don't have the um, record, but the company's saying this, that it's paid in full. Okay. Right, so... Was this another debt collector that he paid in the past? No, the same ones that put his credit. The same one that put his credit. Ooh. They, they they sent him a letter said it's paid in full. Yeah, but um, but they now hang on hang on a second hang hang on a minute. They sent him a letter that mm-hmm. says that it's paid in full. Yes, but that they pulled his credit to collect a debt that was paid in full. Well, they're saying that they had permission to pull it because he had a debt. Um, from Verizon, and Verizon has sold the debt um, to the collector, and the collector is saying that they have permission because... Well, you're not, you didn't listen to what I said. Now, I'm going to say it again. They sent him a letter that said, according to what you said, that the debt is paid in full, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Correct. Now, but they're also saying that they had a reason, a permissible purpose to pull his credit in collection or in connection with the collection of that debt, right? Yeah, that's correct, yes. Okay. All right. Now, like Jeff said, if the debt is already paid and it mm-hmm. was paid what? Let's let's say three years ago? How about two years and, ago? Two years ago. Two, two years. Year, well, two years ago. And mm-hmm. they pulled his credit six months ago. Mm-hmm. Was there a debt for them to be collecting at the time they pulled his credit? No, it wasn't a debt. No, because it's right. Okay, all right. But my the point is, it's very obvious they could not have had a permissible purpose. It doesn't matter what they say. Mm-hmm. The facts indicate that they could not have had a permissible purpose because there was no longer a debt to be paid. Correct. Correct. Right. All right. Can you say, pay me or I'll sue you? Wait a minute. I got I to gotta interject in here. <laughs> no, I was muted. <laughs> uh, a debt to be paid is not a permissible purpose. Well, There's only one permissible purpose they could actually have, and that is account review. All right? If the debt was paid in full, there mm-hmm. is no longer an account to review. So can we say lying? Yeah. Um, I'm going to pull everybody up short because I could have sworn I heard him mention Verizon. Yeah. Yeah. Verizon. Yes. Who's yeah. trying to collect? Verizon or somebody else? The debt collector. The, uh, Verizon is a creditor, and Verizon sold the debt to a collection agency. You don't know that. They said that. They said that. They are the servicer of the... Well, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. You guys are... You're running fast and loose with words and making assumptions here. But he said earlier. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But let's get this straightened out. And And this is for the benefit of everybody listening. You have to pay attention to these details because it does make a difference. Now, the gentleman said that they, this debt collector told him 
that they sold them, Verizon sold them the debt. Is that correct or not? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, okay, they're saying that they're collecting but half of Verizon, but half of this. Well, now, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Jeff, it just can't. hold on. Let me, let I'm me, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're you're mixing things up here. There's a very very important difference. Purchasing the, Verizon selling the debt, like that's like Verizon selling it to Jeff. Right. Okay. Jeff then calls me up and tries to collect because mm-hmm. he owns the debt. Right. That's one scenario. Or Verizon contacts Terry, who runs a debt collection service, and says, Terry, go and collect this debt from this deadbeat, deadbeat Dave, and we'll give you 30% of everything you collect, because you're going to be collecting on a contingency basis, but we still own the debt. Those are two completely different situations, and they are treated differently in many ways. Now, did they turn it over to this collection agency to collect for Verizon, or did they sell the debt to the collection agency? Okay, it says here that the creditor, that the creditor is Verizon. Then it says that Verizon is their client. Then they, then they didn't sell the debt. They turned it over to them as a as a contingency collector. Right. How could Verizon be the client of somebody if they bought it? Verizon wouldn't be the client. Okay. See, there's that there's the distinct difference here. That some of these companies like Verizon, like various phone companies sell debt off, like T-Mobile sells a whole boatload of stuff off to Midland. Hmm? Okay. Oh, yeah. And and other companies, but that and they then try and collect it, but they have ownership of the alleged debt, okay? But there's other companies, a portfolio in Midland are debt buyers. They don't collect for other people. They buy old debt mm-hmm. and they try and collect it for themselves. There's other companies that do strictly contingency collections. They work for somebody else for a percentage of what they collect. They never buy any debt whatsoever. And you have to make sure that you understand the difference. People go fast and loose with this. Well, they bought the debt because they're collecting it. No, that's not necessarily the case. It depends on who it is. And when it comes to legal issues, all you guys got to pay attention to that stuff and don't make the assumption that because somebody is uh, a debt collector is collecting for someone else like Verizon or AT&T or Chase or something like that, do not make the automatic assumption that they bought the debt because chances are, in many cases, you're going to be wrong. And the way you handle it and the way you analyze it and the way you litigate it is different one versus the other. Completely different. So, now, in your situation, to clarify for everybody, they have turned it over for collection, so they're trying to collect it from Verizon, right? Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, for Verizon, right? Right. Right. Okay. Now, you said your friend paid it. 
Yes. yes. Okay. Now, you also said that your friend got a letter from the collection agency saying it was paid, correct? Yes. That's correct, yes. Okay. Then that's all he needs to show that there was no permissible purpose for them to collect a debt because there was, and they're saying, well, you know, we had permissible purpose because it was in relation to the collection of a debt. There was no debt. The debt was gone before the day that they pulled it. Now, this kind of crap happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was a violation of the law. It's very simple. Yeah. See, you've got to sit down. You've just got to put the facts together. But you've got to be careful when you're dealing with the debt collection industry. Do not just make the assumption, oh, well, you know, they're collecting a, a, a debt from so-and-so, so they bought it. No. That's not necessarily the case. It might be, but in a lot of cases, it will not be. Get okay, your well, facts, please. Well, okay. Let's say um, the credit poll, let's say it was done a year before, two years before. Are they still allowed um, to go into the credit file, or are they allowed to? Who pulled it? But let's say uh, the credit poll was done about who two pulled, years who, who made the credit poll? Credit program, it was done on um, debt collector for the credit. Okay. So, okay. Even if it was um, a year before, six months, or two years, as far as the time frame, does it matter well, or no? Was well, it before no, or after he no, paid it? Well, well, hang on, Jeff. Right, sorry. Hang, just hang on. You're, you're confusing the issue here, unfortunately. You're, you're, you're throwing a bunch of figures out here. I don't know exactly the scenario that you're trying to lay out to answer your question properly. It happened six months ago. They had a permission. I'm saying Well, it's very simple here. If they pulled the credit six months ago mm-hmm. and the debt was paid before that, mm-hmm. then there couldn't be any reason for them to be pulling it six months ago because there was no debt at that time. Okay, right. That's that's very simple to deduce. Okay. Right. I mean, if they pulled it, um, if he paid the debt on February 28th mm-hmm. and they pulled his credit on March 3rd, it's the same situation. There was no debt on March 3rd because it was paid on February 28th. Right. It was paid before the credit pull. Therefore, there was no basis for any possibility mm-hmm. of a permissible credit pull. None right. whatsoever. But is that collector, um, a debt collector has no authority um, to access the credit file? What do you mean, no authority to access the credit file? Right, because I, because I heard it from Terry that a debt collector don't have any right uh, to go and collect. I mean, um, um, to go in your credit file, whether um, they have to have a permissible purpose to access your credit report, right. your credit file. Because mm-hmm. yeah, Terry didn't make the statement that you just said. Yeah, you're well, generalizing. You're generalizing. You're not being specific with specific things. I've tried to make it very clear to you that well, they're, and, and you need to, you if you're having trouble understanding that you need to go back and study Terry's webinar series from the website 
Because that that very specifically lays out all the scenarios where they can and cannot. She's very, very detailed in that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you need to go back and go through that a couple more times. And there's and, and this is for everybody. There is so much information in that webinar series that Terry did about credit reports and when they can pull your credit and when they can't and why this and why that. She was so detailed. There's a ton of information there. You're not going to learn and retain all that going through it once or twice. I guarantee you, unless you have a photographic memory. And I think most people don't fit in that category. So you're going to need, if you want to really, really, really know the FCRA really well and what, what is a violation and what isn't and what they can do and what they can't do, you're going to have been through that webinar series at least four or five times. Because if you haven't, you haven't picked up all the information that there is uh, to, to learn. You're just not going to pick it up through it once or twice. I'm going to go back again, you know, and check it again just to make sure. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. That take care of you? Yeah, sure did. Mm-hmm. All righty. Thank you. All right. All right. Now we're going to go back and we got to mute. Tonight we're uh, – uh, tonight, unfortunately, for any new people that just came on the board, uh, we had somebody that was being a pain in the neck with noise earlier and couldn't identify him, so I muted everybody. And that's the way it's going to operate. So if you have a question or a comment, uh, and keep in mind, please, this is a two-hour call. We're, a, we're 45 minutes into the call, and uh, at two hours, I'm done. We're not going to extend it because we got 99 people. So uh, let's let's you know be to the point and uh, go over what we uh, need to talk about, and then we'll go on to our next caller. Seeing as how we're having to do it this way, so we're going to Johnny Yuma. You have been unmuted. I think I'm waiting for talk shoe. Well, no, it showed that you were unmuted, and and then it changed its mind again. This talk shoe is not operating real 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 well tonight. <laughs> Oh, this is funny. I've, this is four times now I've tried to unmute you. Let's see if it works this There we go. It worked that time. Yeah. Good meeting tonight, except for the interference there at the beginning. Uh, that's a minor minor thing. You know, we, yeah. Uh, feces occurs, you know, and we deal with it. That's right. Hey, I just wanted to share with everybody, um, I've been on the other two calls, and I didn't hit your call last Monday, so... Um, I just wanted to share with everyone that I had a settlement made last Friday for 23 calls in the amount of $15,000. That's just superb. Yeah, it took took approximately five or six months to get them to that point. Um, It was right after discovery um, that I clamped down on them, and they – Pretty much gave in. Well, actually, it was right before settlement mediation. I had settled my, I had finished my mediation brief and didn't need to use it. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Well, you got some experience writing the mediation brief, so if you ever need it again, you already kind of got one in the can. And as far mm-hmm. as you know, uh, yeah. structure and all that kind of stuff. That's great. But I'm I'm tickled to death. You you, you did real well on that settlement, and uh, uh, that's just. Uh, uh, another good result, and it all comes, everybody, from study and determination 
of yeah. sticking through the thick and thin on the battle. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, are you a member? Yeah. Yeah, he's a member. Okay, good. Would you put would you post that uh, uh mediation brief up on the forum please? I sure will. And what state will you be posting that in? Michigan. Thank you. And Jeff and Dave, did you get that email I forwarded you earlier where the same judge in Illinois uh, just came down with a judgment of $40 million million. on the TCPA against HSBC Bank? The interesting part was that was the second class action in three weeks in that judge's court, and the other one was against Capital One for $75 million. Yep. Yep, that's uh, there's some big, big money going out over mm-hmm. uh, TCPA issues. So if you're not getting your part of it, um, I guess my, my, uh, there's only one thing I can say. Why? Yeah, why? Well, <laughs> you know, I've got actually, I've got it lined up now. This is actually, I, I'm working full time at this now, and I have an actual list. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> then I go through. I got Enterprise Recovery, eight thousand. Van Roo Corp, ten thousand. Celine Finance, thirty six thousand. These are the amounts that I'm going after. I mean, that I'm settling for, that I'm going to agree to settle for. Now they're they're higher amounts in violations, statutory violations, but these are the amounts that I'm comfortable with asking for. Yeah. You know. Okay. So I'm well, well, and that's the thing for everybody. You know, you hear everybody else talking about the, the checks. Well, you know, look at the money I've gotten. Look at the money Jesse and uh, everybody has gotten. <clears throat> it's if you're not getting the checks and you're getting the phone calls, um, if you're not getting the check, whose fault is it? Go look mm-hmm. in the mirror. Yeah, you know, I can't, I can't even express my gratitude and thanks enough for this particular organization that's come together here because without it, I'd be lost. I, you know, they don't teach this stuff in school. They don't teach this stuff in high school or college. They don't hey, teach this anywhere else, but no, what we do. I heard Terry talking about his advocates a few weeks back or a week back or something like that. You know, they don't teach it there. You know, so if yeah. you think you can go there and get that, because I first of all, before anything, I. I read about him, I, but something inside me would not let me click on the buy now button. You know, I just couldn't do it because there wasn't enough information there, and it, there was no YouTube. You see how I got introduced to, and I don't want to take a bunch of your time. I'm just sharing good news. But how I got introduced to um, knockoutcollectors.com is, is particularly this. I went to YouTube, and I was looking for solutions. I found Jesse. Jesse was speaking that's all it took, basically, to understand what, and he was putting it together then. That's like maybe probably been about three years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, it was two and a half and three years ago, anyway. And uh, that's what got me motivated. I didn't become a member right away. You know, I waited a while to check it out, this, that, and read more. And then, you know, I listened on the calls. The calls were a good testimony. And then I went ahead and just said, hey, <laughs> I belong to this group, you know. And it's happened for me. And I got to tell you, You've got to really believe in yourself, and you've got to put the hours in. The, and, and it's not really that bad, though, because, I mean, you read 40, 50 hours, 
and that's basically you got to read a lot of case study and a lot of case law. But I mean, once you get it under your belt, it's there. You'll know things will come to your mind automatically. It's like you, they, they just pop into. It's like tonight, Dave. When you answer all these calls, you, you know because you've read it, you've dealt with it, or somewhere. And that's the way everybody has to get. And it's not that hard. Now, guarantee you, it will be worth your time. I went out and looked at houses today. I'm going to buy a house with this money. I know a lot of people don't think $15,000 is a lot of house, but let me tell you something. I went out and looked at some very nice houses today for fourteen nine, and they weren't in some slumlord. I don't know what's going on with the market right now. I really don't. Well, Michigan, but, because of the implosion of the uh, of the uh, auto industry up there and, and everything else uh, and the, the economic situation with that, that's why your real estate values are where they are. You know what? I moved down here to Georgia from Michigan six years ago. Mm-hmm. And just before I moved down here uh, in 2008, um, I lived in below Detroit in the Downriver area, uh, just below that. And there's one major newspaper down there, the, the Herald for the Downriver area. Um, and one Sunday, in a Sunday paper before we left Michigan, there were 142 pages of foreclosures. Yeah, I don't know. You know. It was a newspaper I had ever seen printed in all the years that we lived there. And you're talking the foreclosure uh, announcements. Each one was less than a half an inch tall. And we're talking page after page, front, back, front, back, front, back. Mm-hmm. All in one Sunday's paper. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, uh, I, I don't want to go... Uh, any deeper in this right now because uh, we could talk about foreclosures for you know weeks yeah. and months but mm-hmm. the bottom line is you took the bull by the horns here you have taken the knowledge you've put it into action you know if you learn it and you don't put it into action it's the same as you might as well not have learned it yeah. but uh, learn the uh, resources are out here between the website and these calls to help you put the pieces together and answer some specific questions that's why we're here and this gentleman's testimony to it uh, 14,000 bucks and uh, he can buy a house I mean hey great does does that uh, make things a little better for you in your life I would think it's, so it's my first rental property I'm going after a few of them so right and this year yet this year I'm going to buy myself Paid off, 100% paid off my own home. So there you go. I'm, I'm, we're all a slave to the system, no matter what. Whether you're on the edge of the slavery or if you're in the middle, whatever you know. But I'm going to stay as far to the edge as I can because, (laughs) you know what I mean. I don't want to. I I don't want to relive my 20s again or my 30s again. I'm through with that. Yep. All right. Well, thanks very much for your good news. I appreciate it. That's uh, that's great. I'm glad we were able to help and uh, uh, go get them. You're you're just getting a good start. So have fun. Yep. Thanks a lot. All right. You bet. Okay. We're going to move on to. I'm trying to. Jeez. I tell you, this talk show tonight is really bulky. Man, this thing's terrible. Let's go to Northern Georgia. North Georgia, you've been unmuted. Talk to us. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I have a question for you uh, with regards to a, being a personal guarantor on a business debt. I understand FDCPA does not apply to 
the business side of that, but if they're coming out to you as a personal guarantee, guarantor, could FDCPA potentially apply to you because they're coming out to you personally since you no, personally that, guaranteed their debt? No, because it, it was a business debt. It was not a consumer debt. See, it has okay. to, the, the, whether they, it applies, whether the FTCPA applies is a matter of whether the debt was a business debt or a consumer debt. It's not the person, it's the type of debt that it was. How, how was the debt incurred for personal, per, personal purposes and uses? That's the, the qualification for it. And what you've told us here is it was a business debt. So uh, that would not fall under FTCPA. And depending on, you know, there, there are some small details. Uh, were any of the proceeds, you know, was this for a credit card by any chance? No, it was for, uh, I used to own a cell phone business, and I, they wanted me to personally guarantee the debt of the company. Right, right. So, it, so it, this was just a loan that was taken out for what operating or, or, or equipment or whatever. I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. Okay. Business yeah. That that will not qualify as being under the FDCPA, unfortunately. Okay. And if I may follow up with this question, is a banking account with a regular, just like a direct deposit account, not a loan, not a credit card, is that considered a credit transaction, and would that be a permissible pull under the permissible pull section for a credit report? Well, what do, you, what do you mean? If you have an account with the bank? Well, no. Here's what I did. I went and applied for a bank account. They pulled my report from check systems, but okay. they, also pulled, they also pulled a credit score on me and denied me for both reasons. Um, you gave him you you gave him consent because you applied. Okay. Because I I gave them consent to pull check systems, but I did not I did not know I was giving them consent to pull my credit score as well. Well, so it, it it doesn't apply to the credit score. It, it you're talk you're confusing uh, a credit score with uh, getting your credit file your credit report. They're two completely different things. Okay. They, all, all they got was a score. They didn't get any of your personal information, you know, look at it and see what accounts you had, so on and so forth. All If they got your credit score, all they got was a score. Okay. And, that, and that is different than uh, pulling your report and being able to look at it and say, oh, wow, this guy's got three collection accounts and uh, he's got two other things he's delinquent on and stuff like this. That, that that doesn't happen when they get just a credit score. So they could potentially pull a score in one report from either check systems or another bureau, but they couldn't pull two bureau reports like a check system or an Equifax bureau together, correct? If... It, it, well, here again, it depends on what was in the uh, application. Uh, what specifically did the application say you were giving them permission to pull? Usually, it's it's going to be specific and say, you know, they can pull a credit score, 
uh, in that case, you know, they, uh, well, you're giving us consent to uh, obtain your credit score and a uh, credit report from, uh, you know, check systems. Because check systems, what they do is they handle stuff. They monitor. Uh, they're a credit reporting agency for that relates more to bank accounts. It's not really you know, like they don't deal with stuff like credit uh, cards and stuff like that. It's simply if uh, you know maybe you had a, a an outstanding balance on a credit card uh, uh, and it was charged off. Uh, it. it it's related to the account so much as uh, more so than it is the debt. Okay, but they do have to follow credit guidelines like the credit reporting agencies do. If you dispute it, you have the well, right to dispute your debt. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I and I've disputed stuff on uh, check systems and had it taken off. I had Bank of America pull some nonsense with me years back, and I disputed it. And uh, I told him, I said, you'll take it off or I'll see you in court. And I sent him all the documentation, and it was just a matter of a few days, and I got a letter back saying, oh, we've removed all that information from your file. And they sent me a, another report that had absolutely nothing listed on it. So. Okay. Yeah, it, but you you know you do your dispute process with them the same way you would with anybody any other CRA. Okay, thank you for your time, and I'll meet myself back out. Alrighty, thank you. Okay, let's go to. Oh goodness, wonder who this is. North Central Texas. It's either Andrew or Keisha. Hey guys. It's Andrew. Andrew. Hey, hey, how y'all doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Great. I'm doing great. Uh, well, first, I got some some great news. Uh, I got another settlement this week for two thousand. Oh, great! Uh, Fantastic. And then today, also, also on top of that, uh, I went to small claims today for my first hearing. It was for a default. I wanted a debt collector still to to answer. Uh, uh -huh. So it was only for three calls, but. Nonetheless, I got a default judgment for uh, $1,500, right? Oh, very good. So I guess here's my, my, my question is how to proceed with the default. The collector is located in, in Colorado. Uh, do I domesticate the judgment in Colorado? Or how do I, I guess I'm not sure. I've never had to deal with the default before, so I'm not sure how to proceed with uh, the judgment. You're you're going to want to do a little researching on how to uh, collect. Uh, I would be googling okay. how to collect a debt uh, from someone in Colorado when I live in. Uh, how do I collect a debt in Colorado when I live in Texas? I mean, literally, you can ask those kind of questions of Google, and you'll probably find out what you got to do. You may have to domesticate the judgment out there. Um, it just depends on exactly uh, what the uh, courts require yeah. before you can uh, serve something out there. Okay, yeah, um, I think that's what I have to do. I was talking to Israel. Uh, we were going back and forth about it. Also, is there any, um, do you know anything as far as when a debt collector, say you're, you're having trouble locating and collecting about going after the, uh, the bond that they have to, to get? Uh, do you know anything about that? I ha I don't have any uh, experience on that, 
But what I would suggest you do is contact the Secretary of State's office because they're the ones that uh, require the uh, uh, payment of the bond and ask them what the procedure is. I'd call them up and say, you know, here's my situation. Uh, how can I uh, – you're not going to be able to collect on a bond without a judgment. Right. Okay. So you're going to you're going to have to uh, sue yeah, somebody. I mean, they, they, this, you know, they're not the, the bonding company and just going to turn money over to you because you say they they owe you and you can't find them. I mean, you know that right? you understand yeah. that part of it. Yeah. Okay. All right then. Uh, but uh, for location of these people and stuff like that, uh, uh, a lot of people don't think about going to the Secretary of State and uh, inquiring. And I and I don't do that that kind of stuff. I don't do online. I call them up and I talk to a live person and, and tell them what I'm trying to do. And I found the people, at least in the Texas Secretary of State's office, and of course that's where you are, uh, I found them to be very helpful, very cordial. And uh, they, at times they have transferred me to uh, other people uh, saying, well, you know, I don't have that information, but I will transfer you to such and such so-and-so, and they can help you over there. So that would be my All suggestion. Right. All right, very well. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Thanks. And congratulations on your uh, settlements. That's great. Love it. Thank you. And Thank you. and your default judgment. All right. See, yeah, that's what, every, yeah. everybody, that's what happens when the other side doesn't answer. You go in and do it. And uh, Andrew did it in the small claims court. He showed up, and they were yeah. stupid. So now he was, can go. Yeah, being my first time in small claims, it was, uh, you know, it was really laid back, and the judge was really nice. Uh, yeah, it's very, so, it's yeah. very informal, isn't it? Yeah, it was a great experience. Just good. Yep. Good deal. Right. Great Thank job. You. Thanks. All right. Let's go to Central California. I think you're going to be unmuted here somewhere along the line. No, it didn't do it that time. Let's try it again. See if it does it this time. Boy, I tell you, talk shoe is half asleep tonight. No, didn't do it that time either. Let's see if we can do it here. <laughs> this is just amazing. Uh, and I don't know whether this has just got something to do with the fact that I had to mute the whole board tonight or what. But, uh, um, oh, come on. Good grief. I'm trying to go to Central California. There we go. You're unmuted now. Go ahead. Okay, there I am. Well, it only I took eight that... tries. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, that's some good news. And, uh, yeah, today it's, uh, I'm a week away from going to a small claims trial for uh, one call. You know, I have a small amount of calls. And uh -huh. I, I send this, uh, this collection agency a bunch of letters. They're not responding. So today I was, uh, I was like, wow, um, you know, they're not, uh, they're not responding. So I called the company and I asked to speak with one of the legal departments. And uh, I got a hold of an attorney, and uh, we were talking for a while, and uh, he didn't know nothing about my case. And uh, at the end of the, the call, he uh, he said, oh, okay, well, here I'm looking at something now. And uh, yeah, he uh, had mentioned that one of his uh, – or another attorney in the firm had uh, been assigned to the case. But, um, yeah, this kind of related to uh, – the guy before me, the, the caller before me. Yeah, uh, Andrew. Because I have, uh -huh. Yeah, I have a case 
uh, next week. I've never been this close. This is like my, you know, my 10th case since last year. And, uh, well, you know, I've small claims, it. small claims, like Andrew said, is very informal. I, I that's the, one that's the whole idea. Small claims. Yeah. Uh, well, well that's no big deal. Three trials in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you just go while. and present your facts and, you know, your honor, um, they haven't responded. I, you know, I, I should get a default judgment. I've, they were yeah. served. They've had plenty of notice. Uh, give me my default judgment, just like Andrew did. Um, that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm going to file another suit then because they don't, they don't want to, well, they don't want to um, do anything, you know. And I told them that, and while well, I have to go, this would be my fourth, fourth trial. I, yeah. I said they won't be there this time, or the defendants won't be there. Well, why why are you so insistent on getting a hold of them? Why don't you just go to trial and tell the judge, um, Your Honor, I've talked to them on the phone. They were properly served. Here's the evidence of the service of the complaint and everything. Mm-hmm. They have failed to respond, as you can see from the record. And I move mm-hmm. the court to grant uh, me a, de- a uh, default mm-hmm. judgment against the defendant. I mean, you know, I wish I could, yeah, I, I know, it's just been a while since I've been to any hearing, but I wish I could go up there and talk like that. I think I'll I'll probably stutter the first five minutes before I actually get the point across. <laughs> well, no, no, what, what you, let me tell you what you need to do. Write yourself a little cue card. One, do this. Two, do this. Three, do this. And whatever it is that you put in that cue card to uh, prod your thinking as to what you should do, the statement that you put in that cue card should be no more than five words so that you can glance at it and read it and go, oh, okay, I do this first. All right? Then you look at the second one, da-da-da-da-da. Oh, i got to do the second. Okay, I say that. Da-da-da-da-da. Third. Da-da-da-da. Fourth. I ask for my default judgment. All, you, you just got basic steps, Your Honor. Uh, the defendant was served. Here's proof of service. The defendant has not answered. I have spoken with the defendant within the past week, and they still have not answered. I move the court grant a default judgment for defendant's failure to uh, answer the, the lawsuit. Yeah, That's it. Believe it or not, I, I actually wrote one two nights ago because just being two weeks away, I was like, oh, okay, well, i got to go. And, uh, you know, last time I did it, it was just, yeah, it's like going on stage, you know. You turn around, there's a bunch of people just staring at you. But uh, Well, yeah, well no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There isn't anybody staring at you. Yeah. There's just a bunch of other people in the courtroom. They're not staring at you. They're waiting that's, their yeah, turn. That's, true. that's what it feels like, yeah. Well, but no, it only feels that way because you're thinking it feels that way. Think about the reality. They're there to handle their case. They could care less about you and your case, believe me. You don't care mm-hmm. about anybody else's case there, do you? No. You know, in fact, All right. I, they, they're, I, the, they're in the same boat. <laughs> they just want to get their business done and leave. Don't don't plant ideas in your head that aren't there, please. Yeah. 
Yeah, in fact, I might. I would like to sit in on some now before Stephen happens. I just, uh, just to be ready. But um, yeah, I live that far away from the court, and I'm ready to have all my my facts, yeah. exhibits, and yeah. Yeah, that it, you know, it's it's simple. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The, the Kiss principle really works. Just go. And take your little cue card with number one, two, three, and four. You got about four steps. They were properly served. Here's the evidence. They have yeah. the record shows they failed to answer. Number three, I spoke with an attorney at the firm within the past week. They still failed to answer, and they're not present today. I move the court to grant me a default judgment. Four steps. You can do that in 30 seconds. Yeah, I know. These, these are really quick. I've seen cases go mm-hmm. small claims quick. I just wanted to share another thing, too. I'm, you know, I should be more confident because this is CSS uh, that I'm suing, and they have on um, their contact, uh, they, they actually admit that they use a real-life voice. It's called AMV, automatic. Uh, voice messaging or AVM, something like that. And uh, uh-huh. they use it to make their outbound calls to reach uh, customers. And, um, yeah, I printed that out already, so I'll be using Well, there you go. There you go. An exhibit. But, the, but the biggest thing is they haven't answered. Right. Mm-hmm. See, you're, take, you're not even talking about a judgment based on evidence. You're talking about a judgment based on default. They don't. They haven't answered. They've never yeah, answered. So that's it. Don't don't make it into more than it is. Please. Okay. Yeah, Just, this would be my first one, and uh, I guess I gotta ask for a default judgment. That correct? You you I move the court grant me a default judgment for their failure to answer. Okay. I will say that. It's just, yeah. yeah. Something I move the court for default judgment. That's it. I move the court for default judgment. That's a little more than five words, but you, you can get that on a little cue card. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I can add um, maybe help with that if you would like. Sure. Um, I know in my cases I've been I did small claims a long time ago and a lot of times when they do like roll call in the room, depends on I guess what state or district you're in, but they'll ask and find out automatically if the defendants, you know, if all the parties are there. And I know in certain cases when they don't show up, they automatically know that you don't even actually have to speak or say anything. Hmm. Yeah, in our in our court, we call it magistrate court, but it's small claims. He calls the parties and makes a note of who's there and who's not there. And then when he gets to your case, if the other side isn't there, he doesn't ask you what you have to say. What he'll say is, Mr. So-and-so, you can go on home because I'm dismissing this case with prejudice. That's if you're being sued. Yeah. Yeah. In this in this case, he's asking for a default judgment because he's the plaintiff. Right. Yeah. 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 But and yeah, don't don't make a bigger deal is. out of it than it is. It it's not difficult. Yeah. California actually, they small claims uh, after roll call, they will 
I said one last year, and after roll call, when the names are, uh, come up, they usually push for uh, the, the small claims mediation, and uh, both parties usually agree on it, I've noticed. And, you know, it's kind of over, either there or they don't, and they keep going. Well, but, go, go prepared yeah, with your evidence, and if they the other side doesn't show up, uh, you know, you, even if they show up, you can argue, you know, Your Honor, they uh, they never answered. They never answered before. They show up today. Uh, today they had, you know, they the deadline for them to answer was four months ago, and uh, I request a default judgment. I move the court okay. to grant a default judgment. Oh well, they're here now, and we're gonna, uh, you know, da 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 da. Okay. Are you going to go to mediation? Well, then, you know, see what happens. But you, you want to go for your default judgment and, and make the argument they failed to answer because they're required to answer. They can't just ignore it and then show up the day of court. That's not the way courts work. Now, sometimes they'll let them get away with that, but cross that bridge when you get there. Okay. Well, work on building your confidence instead of being worried, please. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I'll be doing that. But yep. uh yeah, that's that's it. Thank you, Dave. Sure. You're welcome. Uh, and you're gonna do just fine. And next week you can come on or you know, as soon as we got a call after that you can come on and, and tell us uh, about your experience and uh, uh how much money you're gonna get. And it is <laughs> only one call, but hey, it all adds up, right? Yeah, there's yeah, there's two calls total, but uh okay. yeah, I'll definitely call it because my court date's next week and this is like okay. the closest I've ever been to going to trial here. But yeah. uh, no big deal. Done. It's very important. Right. It's it's very uh, uh, very uh, informal on small claims. So that's a good thing. All right, we're going to go on to our next caller. And I got to see if I can mute things here. Boy, I tell you what, talk show is terrible tonight. We're going to go back down to North Georgia. I think we'll see what TalkShoe does. No, TalkShoe says no. You're not. <laughs> I, this is this is bizarre tonight with TalkShoe. I mean, you, you, this is you got you got an arm wrestling contest going on there, don't you? Yeah, I got an arm wrestling contest with uh, TalkShoe tonight. Well, I had trouble getting in. Yeah, I had I had trouble logging in, and uh, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here clicking away trying to unmute somebody in North Georgia, and it looks like they're unmuted, and then it just comes back that they're muted again, and it's like, okay, there we go, there, there we, go. we go, yep. All right, Dave, they got me that time. There you go. It only took I think seven tries that time, seven or eight. Now trust What's me, up? I was away from my phone, so I needed that extra minute. Okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. I've got I've got a handful of things here. First of all, the um, webinar replays, okay, through the instant teleseminar. Yeah. Is anybody on the panel having problems viewing those uh, webinars? Uh, I haven't no. gone to view any just lately. If you're having a problem, chances are it's your computer. Well, yeah, that's what um, the webmaster said, okay? Yeah. I've tried two separate computers, an old computer that I normally look at these uh, at those videos on and a brand-new computer, and I can't uh, get anything to load on it. It just well, it gives me a white screen that says loading. Okay, are you using Firefox? No, I'm using uh, Chrome. I've been using Chrome ever, you know, for the last three, four try, years watching uh, try using Try using a different browser. 
Right. Okay. Use I IE if you don't have Firefox. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I he's been giving me some issues, but all right, I, I'll work that out on my other computer and see if I can get it to go. And I, just a curious question I had. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, one one of my questions is that. Um, Okay, if you were going to file an injunction, I'm here in Georgia. Um, can you give me some some steps on what to do? What, what we're trying to do? I was talking to you guys last Monday about a uh, situation where a young lady is having some issues with um, a fraudulent account that was with a power company and yeah, trying to yeah. uh, load that into her new bill. Uh, right. they, they're threatening to turn her service off on um, if she don't pay fifteen hundred dollars by, right. by Thursday. Yeah. Yep, I remember. And so that. I was wondering, yeah, about an injunction. If we got an injunction filed, okay, would uh, you know what's the step what's for the, that? What's going to be the base? What's going to be the basis of the injunction? That they they really didn't do an investigation on the um, on the fraud. I nope. mean, they use social nope. media. No, you, mm-hmm. you're going to have to be, you're yeah. going to have to have a case open in which you yeah. in which you file the injunction. Yeah, you're you're going to have to. Uh, you can't just go file an injunction. There has to be a court case. Okay. So in other words, you're going to have to establish. Well, yeah, she'd have to. Yeah. She'd have to do a lawsuit, file a lawsuit against them over what's mm-hmm. going on, and uh, then a- ask for uh, a, a TRO uh, to uh, keep them from proceeding with their actions. Okay. Yeah. And. I do believe that was mentioned to you last week, also. Mm, you know, I, I don't remember. I, that I don't know. That doesn't uh, matter, Jeff. That doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, okay. Well, my next question, as far as like a hearing, uh, I've got uh, a guy. He's looking to do a motion to dismiss, and uh, he, he's got uh, he asked for a hearing on it, and he's got one scheduled for the twenty third. Okay. Just now, what, what is the situation? He's being sued over sued by, by by Midland for a credit card. Okay. Okay, and uh, we filed the, the the motion to dismiss. And you know, last time when I had the situation, you guys were telling me we should have uh, called expert hearing. Well, we asked for the hearing this time. Yeah. And so they've got it scheduled on the twenty third. So typically, what goes on with that kind of hearing? What should we be doing with that? Well, you're going to make your arguments of why the case should be dismissed. Okay. I mean, you know, you can't just go in there. It should be dismissed. The judge is going to say, okay, why should it be dismissed? And you're going to have to show uh, relevant issues as to why it should be dismissed. Uh, Improper service, uh, you know, uh, what they filed with the court uh, doesn't meet the uh, uh, requirements of the... uh, state statutes requiring uh, uh, documentation for filing a claim, whatever the arguments are, you can't just go in and say, yeah, we want it dismissed. You have to be able to make your good arguments. If you can't make your good arguments, the judge is going to say, no, I'm not dismissing this. It's going to go forward. You need to answer the suit. I'm giving you seven days to answer the lawsuit. There has to be a reason for everything that you do for every argument you make, and you need to provide some case law. You know, look look at what they did. Did they miss something in, you know, uh, how they filed a suit against him? Is it deficient yeah, in some way? To, I mean, it's a debt collector, so, you know, well, didn't have any but, Now, you're, this is your friend. You're helping a friend. Is your, is your friend a member of the website and studying? No. 
All right. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. Let me tell you something. Don't be doing this for a bunch of other people. These people need to learn because you can't go in and speak for them in front of that judge. Trust me on this. And and if you're not doing it, yeah, well, Terry knows all about that. And I'm telling you right now, you can't, you are doing these people a disservice by doing this stuff for them rather than telling them you get into there, you study. If you've got questions, I've studied a lot of it. I can help you. We can get you on the calls, whatever. People need to do this for themselves. Because you, the moment you've got to go in and argue something, you can't say one word. He has to he has to understand what he's doing, and if you're doing all the work, he's going to go in there, and the judge is going to ask him a question. He's going to go, "Duh, I don't know," and he's going to look like a dummy, Dave, because simple, he's going to be a dummy a simple, as far as this is concerned. A simple question, like, for instance, well, Mister So and So, why is it? Uh, why would it be a problem for them to get your credit report during litigation? Uh, I don't know, Your Honor. All of us on this call, we know for a reason. But it happened to me. All that hard work and a silly little question like that, and he couldn't answer it. Yeah, so... Please, uh, I, I understand you wanting to help people, but people need to learn to do this themselves. Assist them in doing it, but you've got to get away from doing it for these people. You just, you, you can't. It's not going to work. Okay, I agree. Yeah. All right. And, and then I, I think got, you understand the logic more. behind it, too. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I admire you for wanting I, to help, but you're, you're just, it, that's not the way to do it. That's all. Okay. All right. Another question: If if um, if you if you uh, in, in Georgia, if your car is getting repoed, what um, I guess what procedures would you recommend doing? They they said that they're going to come and pick it up, but they haven't come and pick it up yet. Would you I, wait for I, them to pick I it up? Don't, I don't know anything about repo repossession stuff really, and especially in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I just don't. Okay. So I I can't. You know, there's no way I can Terry, answer that for you, Terry. Terry, any insight since you're here in Georgia? I'm sorry, what was that? I was saying any insight since you're here in Georgia? Well, our district is no, our federal districts are no different than any others with the exception of local rules. And I will tell you that those local rules are really, really important because they vary greatly between the northern, middle, and southern districts. Well, he was talking about specifically about a repossession on a vehicle. Oh, I have no Maybe idea. You didn't, you didn't hear that. No, I was I was turning the dryer on. I had to leave yeah. the room. It was too loud. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I I haven't dealt with vehicle repossessions. I have no idea. I did, okay. however, have some experience in small claims court. I was just there to observe where a couple was being sued by World Finance over a truck. He got injured on the job and permanently disabled. 
the company, World Finance, had made an agreement with this couple when they bought the truck that if they paid the payments on time for a year, they would uh, redo the contract and lower the payments. So this happened about 16 months after they bought the truck. The payments were always paid on time. They contacted the company, and the company reneged on the deal and refused to work with them any way, shape, or form. They tried for months. They've got several kids. All of a sudden, they have no income except hers, which is she works in a fast food place, you know, not much money there. And they couldn't make it, so they contact the company, and they say, you're just going to have to come get it. We can't pay for it. Um, and it was it was sold to them for twice what it was worth. It was a predatory loan. And uh, so there they are in court, and World Finance just says, you know, the lawyer says, well, they owe this amount and this much more in interest and this much more in penalties and legal fees and all this stuff. And then the judge let the couple speak, and they explained what had happened and how they had tried and tried you know, to work with this company. And finally, the lawyer admitted, well, his company never had tried to work with them. They really hadn't had that discussion. Asked the judge, could they do it then? Judge asked him if they wanted to, and they said, well, is it binding? He said, no, unless they make an offer, and then that's binding on them. And so you can have that discussion now if you want. And they said yes, and they'd like to have it in open court. So... We all got to hear the discussion. And then the wife very smartly said to the judge, Your Honor, is this offer binding on them regardless of what your ruling is going to be? And the judge said yes. And she said, In that case, I think we'll turn down the offer for now and we'll wait and see what your ruling's going to be. And right after that, the judge gave that attorney from another state a lecture. And he said, I used to be a banker, and I know all about predatory lending. And it's wrong. It may be legal, but it's wrong. And he said, I'm not going to rule on this right now. He said, you'll get my ruling in the mail. And I knew right then he wasn't going to give him all that money. And he didn't. No. So, (laughs) you never know. It depends on what the deal is with this, you know, repossession. Was it a predatory loan? Was it one of these that are really known for that, like world finance, bad reputation, reneging on... Santander. Huh? It's a Santander. That I don't know. And, you know, I mean, I have an exceptional magistrate judge here in the county I live in. That may or may not be true where you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we got to keep moving here, guys. Okay. One other so, thing I wanted to add to uh, the repos, someone was telling me a couple of years ago that uh, it's best to let them come and take it because you have more leverage as opposed to you voluntarily giving it up. I, I would. What do you mean voluntarily giving it up? Well, you know, sometimes when, when they'll tell you, yeah, bringing it to them, yes. Oh, I, I wouldn't. If you want it, come and get it. Yeah, yeah. Most Sometimes when they when they stay there, if they harass a person, a person will bring it to them. I've known a few people that have done that. 
Okay, but somebody had told me some years ago this guy deals with um, with, with different things, kind of like what we do. Yeah, and, don't um, if you know. if you take it to them, that means you're you are voluntarily surrendering it instead of having it taken from you. Right, right. He said yeah, you got more leverage difference. and you let them come take it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yep. okay. All right. Well, I appreciate your help as always. All righty. You're welcome. Thanks. Okay, let's go to guest 43. Now we're going to try our little trick here and see if anything happens on unmuting. Spent half the night unmuting people here, unfortunately. Come on. Guest 43, we're going to try it again here, see if it goes through. Nope. Try it again. Ah, this is irritating. You know, TalkShoe has been performing fairly well. There, we finally got it that time. Hey, Dave, hi, can you hear me? Uh, yep, we can hear you now. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, listen, um, I've called a few times in the uh, past, and I was the guy that had a issue going on with Monarch Recovery. Um, I was going up for, uh, they were going to issue a motion for summary judgment right from the start. And okay. We, we said it was premature, and you're right, it was. Uh, the judge uh, denied it, and now we've been ordered to go to an ADR, which is an alternative dispute resolution. Right. And um, to trigger it off, you have to start with a settlement agreement, the plaintiff does. So I, I sent him a settlement agreement for $1,000 because it's an impermissible pull. Right. And uh, he uh, has 72 hours to reply, but he replied a week and a half later after I had to tell him that I was going to inform the magistrate judge that he's not cooperating. And uh, it upset at him. At any rate, uh, his last offer was this. Uh, Dear Mr. Ariola, Monarch is willing to settle this matter under the following terms and conditions. Monarch pays you nothing, and you dismiss your complaint with prejudice. In return, Monarch agrees to not sue you for malicious prosecution. Vince Green. Tell him to go pound sand. Yeah, we've heard See that many times. We've heard that many times before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you for your response, and we'll see you in court. Okay. Well, Yours truly. <laughs> That's considered um, like a, a type of threat, is it? Since he said no, 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 no. That's a response, and they made an offer. They said uh, you, uh, they'll pay you nothing, and uh, you uh, dismiss your suit with prejudice, and they won't sue you. Well. Well, you're not going to dismiss with prejudice, and if they want to feel, if they feel they want to uh, sue you for malicious prosecution, have at it, buddy. Okay. Um, all right, but I don't think that was a um, something that came from the client's mouth. I think that was a bluff from the from the attorney. So. Well, of course. I sent them discovery also, and every single um, response was an objection. Well, um, of course, that's not unusual. Motion and compelled. Also, Welcome to our world. Yeah, motion to compel. I know, but also it was uh, it was delivered late, and um, he was upset at me because I didn't give him a. Uh, well, he actually he asked me a very. Who cares way. if they're upset with you? First of all, let's deal with that. I could give a rat's rear whether somebody's upset with me. That doesn't play into things at all. Dave, do you normally give them an extension when they ask you in discovery? <laughs> uh, no, only for a good reason. Okay, what if they told you they were snowed in and they weren't snowed in? 
Well, then they lied. That's not a good reason, then. You'll say no to that. Well, are you satisfied having somebody lie to you, and you're going to go along with it and coddle them? Well, he told me, okay, I did what you said. I said no to his extension, and then he turned around and said that uh, it's not professional for me to be that way and that I'm not being courteous. You're not a professional. You're a pro se litigant. What would you do? Tell me, well, you know, I know you're a pro se and you don't really know how things are done, but generally attorneys have courtesy for each other and they give and take. And you know what my answer was? I'm not an attorney. Unfortunately, I'm not an attorney, and it's not in my best interest to play the game. Yeah. I'm I'm not an attorney, and I'm not part of the club. The answer is no. Okay, but um, as far as these objections go, I can just automatically have to meet and confer with them first. You course, meet but. and confer and just tell them your your. Uh, objections are they boilerplate type objections just same old crap exactly they're all okay yeah all right well it, it you know uh answering discovery with boilerplate objections uh is improper you know it and you're either going to answer them properly or i'll go to the court for a motion to compel which which would you like me to do which way are we going to go you tell me are you going to answer them properly or do or am i going to do a motion to compel and have the court tell you to do it. But I still have a, an ADR, um, I'm sorry, a magistrate judge I'm going to see fulfillment on, uh, on two more weeks. None of this can be brought up right about discovery. At a, well, you at a, still push forward on your discovery. Don't lay back on it. Okay. And then can I hit him with interrogatories in the meantime? Uh, interrogatories, I mean uh, admissions in the meantime while I'm You're, waiting? You already should have. Okay. All right, I thought I was waiting for my uh, production and interrogatories to add, ask. No, that. no, no, no. You just, whatever you've got that you, you want answers to, you should be aggressive and going after them in discovery. Absolutely. Don't sit okay. around and wait on them. All right, and then um, those objections, do I give them a shorter time frame to answer to it, or does he have a 30-day time frame? I give them 72 hours to uh, provide proper answers. You know, if they tell you they're not going to, then you just say, okay, great. Uh, please be advised I'm going to file a motion to compel with the court. We'll let the court uh, uh, direct you to answer them properly. Steve, don't I have to wait 10 days after I meet and confer no. in order to file it? No. No, absolutely not. I don't know where you get that idea. Okay, I thought that was a rule or something. No. No, that's for sanctions. That's for sanctions, okay. Yeah. So See, you, here, here let, let me point something out. You're not reading your rules. What you just said there, your misunderstanding, it shows a lack of you reading the specific rules regarding what you're dealing with. Please go read those rules and understand them, and you'll know. Okay? okay. And Don't depend on just comments on these calls for that. Go read those specific rules so you know. Okay, Dave, and at the mediation I'm going to have in the next couple of weeks, should I present that email that he gave me where he says that if I don't drop my suit, I get a malicious prosecution? Well, you could take it along and, you know, tell the magistrate, you know, unfortunately uh, uh, they uh, tried to intimidate me. Uh, they, uh, they made an offer saying if I didn't uh, dismiss my suit that uh, they were going to sue me for malicious prosecution, and that's strictly up to them. That's their prerogative. That's got nothing to do with my case. 
And doesn't that violate their professional rules of no, conduct? No, 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 yeah. no, no. Absolutely does not. That's a tactic they use all the time. That's very common. Okay. That's the, you, just the usual BS bullying of an attorney. That's all. That's nothing unusual. They're right, trying to I get just, you to go away. See, you're you're the pro se. You don't do, you don't know anything. They're gonna, you know, we're gonna put the fear into this guy. We'll make him go away. We'll threaten to sue him for malicious prosecution. And most pro se's that don't know anything go, oh crap! I better leave these guys alone. They're gonna sue me. Oh my God, no! Here, what might actually serve you well is for you to learn how to be a wall with a sense of humor. <laughs> Because uh, right now, that that attorney has the mark of your timber, and he's walking on you. Yeah, you're 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 worried about his threats and stuff like that. You you got to work on changing your perspective and understand what he's doing. He's just he's using the same old intimidation stuff. That's what they're taught in law school. Right. I'll when I, puff when I say, and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. Right. What I'm saying, what what I intend to get across to you is being a wall means you're immovable, not that you're aggressive and pugnacious or pugilistic. You just will not be moved. Just, you know, I've got a legitimate basis for my lawsuit. If you want to settle, let's settle. Otherwise, let's proceed. Well, Dave, what's the answer you usually give when you tell you have about 72 hours to give me a a good answer on my... I'm going to, if if you got a situation there, if you talk to the attorney and you just tell them, well, look, what you, what you provided in answers for discovery is unacceptable and uh, your objections are unfounded, they're boilerplate, and uh, if I don't have corrected proper answers to the discovery that comply with the rules, Within 72 hours, I'm going to file a motion to compel with the court, and I'll let the court tell you to provide them. I just gave you the, your conversation with them. All right. go, back and listen, go back and listen to the recording. We're uh, an hour and 41 minutes into the call right now. Got it, Dave. And also, you wouldn't put that in writing and send it in the email, would you, to them? Well, he could, but why? You, you, you talk to him. You, con- conferring is talking. Well, I'm sorry, but it's hard to get a hold of this guy if he's going to play dodge me for a while. I know he is. Okay, well, you, you don't know. You try, but uh, if he does it, uh, if, he, if you can't make voice contact with him in uh, 48 hours, I'd send him that email, I have, and, and I, you put documentation in there. I have uh, called you or sent emails at such and such a time. You know, I've attempted to contact you seven times in the last two days, last three days, and you have refused to respond to me. Therefore, here is notice that if you don't uh, properly answer, I'm going to file a motion to compel with the court, and I will let the uh, court direct you to properly answer discovery. And in that motion, will I put these exhibits in what he gave me for discovery? Yeah, that's what you have to do. That's that's yeah. what you you have to specifically point out what you asked for and what what you got that's unacceptable. Absolutely. Okay. All right, Dave. You answered most of my questions. If I have other ones, I'll ask you tomorrow. All righty. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Ask tomorrow. Thank you. Now, uh, yeah, tomorrow night is a webinar. We don't have an open call tomorrow night. 
All right, Southeast Florida. Oh, my God. I mean, blink, and they were unmuted just like that. Wow. You you must have been holding your tongue right. Southeast Florida, talk to us, please. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> I, You're I the lucky gotten... one tonight. First really? click, and it just went blink. I mean, boy, do you feel lucky oh. or what? I, I, I'm, I'm like... I'm like, am I going to get on tonight? Am I going to get on tonight? Am I going to get on tonight? Well, anyway, actually, I asked this um, this question already once, um, but I spoke to someone earlier today. Just told me to go ahead and confirm. I filed a federal lawsuit last week, and I'm getting ready to serve the individuals. And Dave, you said to go ahead and just uh, I can send it certified return receipt. And um, no, you can't. You can't. No, a I disinterested cannot. third party. Party. Can send a certified return receipt. Once it's sent certified return receipt. Well, well, hang, hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second. You're, are you sending it to the registered agent? Yes. Okay. All right. Registered agent sending it uh, certified mail, return receipt requested, the green card. The green card goes back to whoever is serving it, and then they get it back to you because they'll have to give you an affidavit that they uh, served it. Okay, is there an affidavit in the in the on the website? There's an affidavit on the back of the summons. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But you may not even need that. You may not depending on what happens, you may not even need that. If they answer then there's no argument about service. Okay. Um the other thing is that they told me to go ahead and make sure that that was the proper procedure for Florida. I know that you're in Texas, but You're in federal court. Yes. Okay. Federal court goes by federal law. Again, if you send it to the registered agent, the registered agent is paid to act as an agent for the defendant, and they will pass it on to the defendant. I have done that a number of times, and I've never had anybody... Uh, throw it back. The only time I ever had something where there was an argument was when uh, somebody served a certified mail on somebody at the company rather than the registered agent. Okay, so So, registered agents should solve your problem. Now, for the registered agent, for one of the defendants I have, the other defendant... I don't have the registered agent because they're not registered with the state of Florida. So what would I do for that scenario? Get a process server to serve it for you, whether it be the sheriff or a private process server. Look around. Okay, because they're, they're, they're in New York. So I would have to go ahead and hire somebody to serve them in New York? Right. Yeah, that's what I would suggest doing because that way when a private process server uh, serves that individual, uh, is it a company so that they'd have to uh, uh, have a, a uh, authorized representative uh, served? Yeah, well, they have on the web, their website, they have... Uh, uh, it's a company. Address. It's it's you're, It's a yeah. company. It's not an individual or live person. Yeah. Correct. So when when you send it to the company... Or, or when you send it to the process server, the process server, that's their job to identify. When they go to serve somebody, they have to identify somebody that is authorized to accept service on behalf of the company. 
Okay. That's just part of their training and what, what their job is. So, yeah, you're going to want to use a processor, either the sheriff or a private processor, either one. Find out how much each one of them charges. Find out which what's the better deal. Yeah, but even though they're out of state, can I do the sheriff? It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter where they are. Okay. Okay, that was my question. Thank you yep. so much. Yep. If you've got a company, if you've got a service of process, do a Google uh, process servers, uh, Rochester, New York, or wherever it is. Has she been up on the New York Secretary of State's website to find out what their uh, uh, resident agent is? Um, I, well, I did. I don't recall right now what I found, but I know that okay. I was there. Okay. Okay, but that's 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 what I would do if I were in your position. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. All right. Okay, let's go to. It's a sham. Oh man, it's one click and it unmuted immediately. Wow. It's a it's a big sham when you're dealing with the other side. Well, of course it is. <laughs> well, how um, you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I won't say my name. You know who I am, so yeah, um, he's uh, one of one of my neighbors here in the metro, <laughs> the metroplex area in well, Texas. I just went the the last caller, not this one, but the uh, the guy that called earlier. Kind of, he kind of reminds me of an incident that we had here in the uh, northern district of Texas, where one of uh, my friends were threatened that they were going to sue him for fraud and malicious practice and all this bunch of BS. And he ended up prevailing on a motion to stay. Yeah, and they uh, he sued for TCPA. Yeah. In federal court, and the defendant uh, uh, filed a uh, motion to stay proceedings, uh, waiting on the FCC petition rulings and everything. Hmm. And uh, he uh, ended up prevailing. He won. The stay was denied. And then they turned around and settled, didn't they? Yes, absolutely. So there you go. knowledge is power. Extremely. If you use it. Absolutely. And and TCPA is, is, is a beautiful statute. I'm glad they, they did it the way it was written. And um, two weeks ago, I got some good news. Two weeks ago, I settled a case for over $7,000. There you go. And this morning... It looks like I'm going to get over 5000 in another one. See, it's just amazing what happens when you learn the stuff and put it into action, isn't it? It's just yes. Christmas in March. And, and, and you know, here's, here's the thing. Um, evidence, the, the photos speak for itself. Yeah, of the, the photos of the uh, uh, face of your phone with the call information on it. Here's one of the killers that still, as of this day, out of the five attorneys that I have dealt with in the last uh, six months, they still have not, to this day, been able to articulate with me regarding the photos. What I always do is I put the photos in there, and when they come back and they say, well, we manually dial it on this bunch of BS." My first question to them is, can you please explain to me the 15 seconds on on those photos? And still up this day, <laughs> I have not 15 had seconds on a call, and, and you manually dialed it, and there was a person there? 
Sure. I I had one one where I'd said, well, what, what did the representative go? I mean, did they go to the uh, refrigerator, had a beer, and come back, or what? What happened? Yeah, does your do, does the representative have a serious stutter? <laughs> so so that's my good news and and well, that's great and news. The, wow, absolutely. And, and Man, one of these days you're going to have to take me to lunch. Actually, I was thinking about that. Um, I'm going to talk to my wife. Cause <laughs> but he said he's thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I won't be able to go to lunch at noontime during the week. That's not with the trading going on now because that's prime time for me to be No, uh, I'm talking about the weekend. Yeah, Saturday. yeah, we'll get together sometime in the weekend. <laughs> you know, so earlier when we were talking about good news, I had forgotten I did have some funny news. And... You know, it's funny now. At the time, it kind of ticked me off. But about two months ago, my phone rang, and I had my hands full at the time, and I couldn't get to the phone. My phone talks. When there's an incoming call, it'll say, call from so-and-so, whoever's calling. And so I'm trying to get to the phone, and the phone says, call from Terry Hinkle. And I'm like, BS, I'm not calling anybody, and I'm sure not calling myself. Well, by the time I got to the phone and I picked it up, there was no one there. So I thought, well, that's just weird, you know. I didn't even touch the phone, and now it tells me I'm calling myself. Well, the other day, it happened again, and this time I was sitting right next to it, and the phone said, call from Terry Hinkle. And I said, oh, yeah, right. I'm calling myself again. So I pick it up, and it's a recorded call that it's that... We're calling from card services. We can offer you a, uh, a higher limit or lower interest rate yeah. or whatever it was. If you're interested, press one. And I thought, okay, that's it. You know, now they're spoofing using your own name calling you. So I answered it. And when the guy came on the line and he sounded like he was from Indonesia or somewhere, I said, look, you are to stop calling this number. I don't even have any credit cards. And the guy was silent for a second, and then he said, I do not believe that, you old shit, and hung up on me. (laughs) I'm sitting there going, oh, okay, I'm calling myself just to bitch myself out. Oh, God. (laughs) Hang up on me. Wow. Oh, well, you never know. All right, we're going to keep going here, guys, because uh, we got two more people in the queue, and we're almost out of time. So, And, and Dave, just one quick thought. There will be attorneys out there, and you know it, Terry. You probably know it, and there are going to be attorneys out there when the whole website says that they use an auto-dialer. Your phone shows that they have 10, 15, 20 seconds, and they're listed on the Texas um, Public Utility Commission as an auto-dialer. You'll get some of these clowns that will deny it, even if it goes to court and a jury finds that they use an auto dialer, they'll still deny it. Yeah, well, hey, that's what they're trained to do. Deny, deny, deny. Absolutely. Deny, deny, Uh, we lie. So, anyway, thank uh, you. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Great job on your settlements and stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, one of these days we'll get together for some lunch. Absolutely. Get out of here for a little bit. We got some nice, Absolutely. nice weather coming. The rain's ending tonight, and uh, the weather over the next uh, ten days is only going to get better and better and better. So spring is so. going to spring. Well, yep. you stay warm, Dave. Oh yeah, oh, I'm warm. 
<laughs> Take care. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. You bet. All right, we got two more callers, and we'll take care of that, and then we're going to be done for tonight. Oh, my God, there's another one. First time I clicked on it. Hello. Good evening, young lady. How it's are Yvonne. you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty That's good. How are good. you? And how's the team? Hello, Terry and Jeff. Hello. And now John's Jeff, tied you're up sounding with stuff. stronger yeah. and stronger. I love it. Yeah, I'm thank one, you. It's going to be 83 and sunny tomorrow. Oh, oh I'm shut up, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to be sunny, but it won't be 83. I think we're supposed to be in the 60s tomorrow. But oh, that'll, I'm that'll work. so jealous. I think we're only getting in the 50s, but I'm so glad it's not snowing, so I don't care what it is. <laughs> Come on, that's downright. Just no snow is an improvement for you, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it is. And I know we're coming up on the hour, so I'm going to make it quick. I just had two pieces of good news I wanted to share tonight. I like good news. Well, uh, the radiator in my truck blew. That's not good news. While I was in Wendy's drive-in line. Oh, no. But the good news is it blew after I got to the post office and mailed my debt validation letter. No, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. So, see, there's a silver lining in every cloud, isn't there? Uh, right. So I'm just sitting around waiting for triple A, you know, for the two or two hours with a smile on my face. Oh, man. Yeah. You knew you had done the important work. Yeah, I did what I had to do. There you go. So um, sugar, honey, iced tea happens, and the rest didn't matter because I got that in the mail. There you go. You got the most important thing of the day accomplished. Absolutely. And the second thing is, while I was on your call tonight, I activated my trap call on one of my cell phones. Oh, there you go. There you go. It is working, and I'm revving it up. (laughs) Go for it. Go for it. My motto this year is just do it. Hey, um, I think Nike said that, didn't they? Yeah, they copy, said I could copy borrow Nike. it. Copying Nike, yeah. They, did they uh, steal that from you? No, no. They actually had it first. But oh. I'm going to add something to it and just use it uh, this year. Okay. There you go. <laughs> go for it. And that's it for me, guys. Have a good night. All right. Thanks. You too. Oh, right. Glad to hear you made it to the post office in time. That's well, nice. I'm glad you made it home, too. Okay. Yeah, really. Thanks. Oh, Bye. you bet. Yeah, low low 60s for us tomorrow. Oh, man. Mm-mm-mm. All right, we're going to go to our last caller for tonight, which is Southern California. And that one didn't unmute right away. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, that, unmuted that time. Go ahead, Southern California. No, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, I hit the wrong button, Dave. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, no question, huh? No. All right. Well, we're right at two hours anyway, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us tonight. We had a good crowd tonight. We uh, had some good discussion on some things. And uh, for anybody that uh, listens to this, remember, go back and uh, pay attention to the information that Terry brought forward regarding the 1099 C's 
and the regulations on that. She gave some specifics on that, so uh, go ahead and uh, capture that, get it written down so you know how to deal with those things and know what the uh, rules are regarding the 1099C issuance because that comes up on a regular basis. So tomorrow night there is uh, a webinar for those of you that are members of the website, and uh, we're going to uh, be learning some more stuff. And we're going to, uh, wow, I'm getting a, a move in the market here. Hold on a second. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm going to uh, cancel this alert here so I don't have to listen to this nonsense. There we go. Well, I thought I had done it. <laughs> all right. Sorry about all that. Um, but like I said, for the members tomorrow night, there's a webinar. If uh, you are not a member, well, I guess you're going to be left out. It's it's going to be one of those uh, situations where you just don't get what uh, everybody else gets, and you're not going to get the information that you need. Uh, but, of course, Wednesday afternoon, there's a webinar also for the uh, members. And Wednesday night, Terry has a, her usual call. And don't forget, Terry's number changed for her call. For all of you that uh, maybe if somebody's on here, you haven't been out last several weeks, uh, her number changed. The PIN number stays the same. But if you are a new listener and you are not uh, on her mailing list, send an email to queensongbird at gmail.com and simply say, please put me on the list. And she'll get you on that list and get you squared away so that uh, you get the information uh, on the calls. And then, of course, next week, We'll be right here, same time, same channel, with Dallas Debt Discussion on Monday night. Thanks again to everybody for joining us tonight. Have a great week. Spring is sprung, and we have daylight savings time. Thank goodness. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.